Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is a Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napson. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And I'm Jennifer Landa. The trio is here. The gang is all here. And we are looking at Star Wars news, breaking news from a long time ago. We've got some fun news, some speculation, some Instagram profile changes, and some creatures <laughs> of the galaxy to talk about. Before we get to all that today, uh, I want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, as always, of our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And before we see the return of Star Wars and Life Adventures, which we always appreciate those who are like, hey, you didn't do it this week. Uh, but with the Manda trailer last week, we wanted to get right <laughs> to the main course of the meal. But before we get to that, we do want to remind you, we do have a, a humble ask, Joseph. We have a ask into the galaxy. That is right. And we are making such good traction 
on this ask. We are trying to build to 7,000 subscribers on YouTube very soon. Our new YouTube-only show, Figure Fights, where we have two different Star Wars action figures battle one another. That will be premiering soon on YouTube, as well as some other upcoming adventures. We want to have as many uh, friends with us as possible on YouTube. We've been asking to get to 7,000 subscribers for a couple weeks now, and it keeps being like this Titanic story of there'll be a huge surge when we, ah, yes, we've got it. And then, oh no, there's a second act twist and we go down a little bit and then we're underdogs. We shoot back up. And right now we're at uh, just under a hundred more subscribers to reach this goal. When we reach this goal, not only will we have accomplished something, but you, the listener will be rewarded by, we'll ask for something else and it will change up this segment of the show. (laughs) that is right ask and maybe change the ask if you help but we appreciate all your support we really do want to also let you know uh it is up and out there if you want to get into your calendar but our next live show we do our monthly q a january 27th 3 p.m pacific time we moved it up an hour we're trying to find a good time that we can incorporate all of our listeners around the world uh so we'll be doing some special ones as well earlier in the day but that might uh, help some of you there but also aligns with our schedules as well the realities of podcasts and scheduling are very strong. All right, let's catch up on Star Wars and Life Adventures. Joseph, I know you had a big one, so we'll keep you in the main event slot here. But uh, Jen, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I didn't have too many uh, Star Wars adventures. I was I'm in the mode of cleaning right now. I'm trying to declutter our house. And what I realized mm-hmm. is I have a lot of Star Wars things. <laughs> <laughs> plushes really? that my kids... They kind of like, I mean, there's some that they love, like the mm-hmm. galactic, uh, the galactic creatures. They really love those, the Ewok, the Wookiee. Those aren't going anywhere, but there's like a porg that they're kind of over and there's a couple other things. <laughs> and I was like, I, I can't get rid of those. Why? Because they're mine. They're mine. And, and I'm not going to get rid of them. I'm not going to take them to the Goodwill. Um, but something that actually just happened this morning, I was listening to the Smartless podcast and Steven Spielberg was on there and he was talking about how he and Alan Ladd Jr. were the only ones after watching that first screening that really thought that George Lucas had something. He said mm-hmm. that after that first screening, he said the screening was kind of a mess. No sound effects, no visual effects, you know, actors on blue screens, no, 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 you know, the pew pew. Mm-hmm. And, and then when there was like a space fight, it would cut to these, you know, old uh, World War movies, you know, uh, <laughs> you guys all know that story. But he said it was a, it was a mess, but he really bought into it. And he said nobody else did. And they went to a restaurant afterwards and everyone just was coming down on it saying how terrible it was. And he's like, I, I thought George was on to something. <laughs> and it just was really neat to hear about this these two old friends. And mm-hmm. I highly recommend that episode uh, after listening to this episode. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I want to go to that restaurant. I bet it was like a hamburger hamlet, right? That oh, seems, it was a Chinese yeah. restaurant. A Chinese oh, restaurant. Got yeah, it. yeah. That was oh. That's quite an image of just people uh, shoveling in, you know, uh, <laughs> delicious dishes, as they tell George Lucas. Nah. nah. Yeah, they were. He said it was terrible. He's like, they all just kind of sat there. And then afterwards, everyone was just like dogging him, you know, so this, that movie is going to be terrible. He's like, who are these characters? Why Why should we care about them? Like, can you imagine? Oh, yeah. my gosh. 
Yeah, I have to give a recommendation for the film The Fablemans, uh, which <sighs> you know is is Spielberg's sort of biographical picture. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, there's so many great ideas about wanting to tell stories and wanting to see kind of uh, uh, fantastic things on screen. And that has given me so much more appreciation uh, for Spielberg. Not that I was ever like, who's this Spielberg guy? You know, the guy who created all these movies. But just that that makes so much sense that he would be able to see, like, we're trying to create these fantastic adventures that you can't see anywhere else. We want wonder that mm. he would be coming. He's so aligned with Lucas in that respect mm. that we want to see wonder. We want to see what we can't see that somehow reveals truth about ourselves that he would be able to see the the genius in its imperfect form. Mm, yes. I love that. I love exactly. that take. And then you got old laddie sitting there in the corner going, yeah, I'll invest in George. It's a good, yes. good, time. It's good exactly. time. Well, that's a great nostalgic uh, uh, trip uh, there, Jen. I also, uh, just hearing you just talk about how, you know, that period of time when like the toys, certain toys or collectibles or plushes, like you said, the kids kind of move on. I, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking back to toys in my life and I remember that happened and it was kind of sad, you know, I, just, I was, even as a kid of eight, I'm like, Oh, this is probably the last time I'll play with this stuffed koala bear. Mm. Oh, <laughs> going away. I'm moving on to other things. I got a skateboard now. It's, right. Yeah. And our parents held, my parents held on to all of my old stuff. And I'm like, am I going to be a bad parent if I don't hold on to these old things that they love now? Or, I mean, I, I don't have the space. Like, I, I don't know what to do. So that is another Wars, podcast. Yeah. yeah, right. The Star Wars stuff is staying. That's not going yeah. anywhere. Yes. I, my parents did keep a lot of things, but there's some things I lost. But yeah, there's those, those stories. Yeah, grandma threw away my Mickey Mantle rookie card. You know, that, that you know, gotta be careful. Gotta be careful. Right, yeah. Right. My dream is that we have a someday have a force center recording studio and you you pan away from our little recording studio space and the rest of it is just like the vault at the end of uh, Indiana Jones and it's just boxes and boxes of our Star Wars stuff. <laughs> we do need that. We do need yes. that. Um my uh my Star Wars adventures are, are pretty um uh, simple. Though I, I did start uh I get, when I when I want some comfort, if I don't want a Star Wars movie, but I want to just kind of stay in Star Wars Galaxy, I love putting on those documentaries. So I was watching uh, watching the one uh, connect with Rise of Skywalker, the one about the Skywalker uh, saga and the legacy and everything there, the making of Nine and beyond. And uh, just uh, got about halfway through, I was doing some work, and it's just it's just so nice to just hang out with friends as they're making Star Wars. It feels mm -hmm. that's what those docs feel like. Uh, one thing happened to me, though. I never give up hope. I have uh, our, our old pals, uh, Alex and Steve and, and Cisco from the Black Series Rebels. Uh, I don't think they do it as much anymore, but they used to make those enamel pins. So I have a mm -hmm. bunch of them. And and two of my favorites are my my uh, Han and, and my Leia. I wear them on my jacket. And I went to a party, birthday party, uh, on New Year's uh, Eve. Uh, my friend Zara had her birthday, so I went over there, and it was a rainy, rainy night. The mm. next day, I realized my Leia pen had fallen off. <gasps> and, mm. and, you know, and I, I could probably text Alex or Steve and be like, hey, do you have any other ones laying around? But they would kind of cleared out their <laughs> merch and stock a while ago. And so I was like, I don't know. So I was like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just see what happens. And lo and behold, this past uh, week, Grace comes in and goes, look what I found. It was in the little cubby on the side of her, her car door. Uh, the backing had <gasps> oh. been out, but Leia was there. So what does this mean? Hope. Hope. You never <laughs> give up hope and always bet on Leia. That was my lesson for the week. 
that would be a great story if it was a walrus man pin, but it's an even better story that it's Leia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And again, the easy answer is I probably get go to Alex is a little too far. I could have knocked on his door, but like you got some layers around, but it was like, that's the one I've had for a long time. And I've worn it to premieres, to comedy shows. I have the Han Leia one on representing Grace and I and everything. And then, uh, you know, to have it uh, on a on one of the rainiest nights we've had in a long time. It's like, it's gone. It's probably somewhere in a gutter in West Hollywood. But nope, it was with me all along. All along. Yay. Yay, indeed. Uh, Joseph, you had some wonderful adventures. Uh, one, you know, which actually I benefited from, we'll talk about. But uh, uh, how was your time at uh, Disneyland, Galaxy's Edge, and beyond? Yeah, I had a really great time. This was a a massive amount of Star Wars adventures at Disneyland. Uh, my wife's parents, my in-laws uh, came to visit and uh, wanted us to go to Disneyland for three days because they haven't been there in four decades. Wow. Um, so I kind of thought like, wow, I've, I've only ever been to Disneyland one long day. I've never been there three days. I bet I'll get sick of this. I was deeply wrong. Uh, It it was a great experience because I needed to help make sure that everything worked really well for them. Mm -hmm. So I really mastered that app and really started to go in deep. And I explained how the pins work at Disneyland to them. (laughs) And I became pin crazy. And it was a really great just sort of a a Disneyland experience. But then along with that, because they were we were there for three days, uh, we got to do things multiple times. Uh, We went on Star Tours four times. And saw yeah. four different combinations of things, of, of characters and planets. Amazing. Um, we uh, went on the Falcon twice and I got to pilot it both times. Uh, oh both sides of the pilots uh, thing, which was probably one of the greatest Star Wars adventures I've ever had. Um, the second time we went on the Smuggler's Run flight, uh, if anybody hasn't been, there's, the, there's two pilots, two gunners and two engineers. And uh, we just got assigned. We were rushed through the first time. We're like, your pilots, go. Okay, great. Okay. Uh, the second time, I just, I really didn't want to be a jerk and be like, I'm going to be the pilot. So there are these two other people uh, with us because it's a total of six. And we said to them like, hey, uh, do you want to be the pilots? And they were like, please, no, we don't. We barely know what this is. We think we've seen Star Wars once. So, uh, what do we have to do? We thought we were just, we have to do something. I thought it was a ride. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're like, be, be the gunners. That's fun. We'll, and they're like, thank you for being the pilots. And then they were so all in. They were like cheering us on as the pilots. They were so supportive. <laughs> so I was able to totally role play in it. And I was uh, the, the right pilot on that one, which is the one that gets to reach up and mm-hmm. grab the jump to light speed sticks and yes. pull them down. And they were so into it that the second time I just screamed out, I'm punching it. And they were like, yeah, yeah, punch it. And it was like, it was a total Star Wars dream to be like, not only am I being a ridiculous nerd, yeah, but I have total support from strangers for it. That's uh, so that was, that was one of the best Star Wars experiences. It, it rained a little bit and we were able to, I found the, the way to get into Oga's Cantina. So we were able to go into Oga's Cantina and slam back some jet juice. All that was great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I don't want to go on and on because I had a, a, a ton of great adventures. So maybe I'll dole some out uh, over the weeks. But the kind of the more Star Wars life lesson is a little Leia like. I think because I was in the mindset that I was helping other people, that I was facilitating this trip for everybody. Uh, it really brought down the barriers for me to be like, if we have a problem, just ask, find the closest person and ask. Mm. <laughs> and we got so much more done because we weren't trying to figure it out or we weren't, you know, uh, ashamed to ask and, and feel like, oh, maybe people will think we don't know what we're doing. And it just reminded me of all of the great energy of little Leia in, uh, in Kenobi to be like, well, 
We need help. Let's go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Let's just ask and that will make it better. And I had so many great experiences and conversations. Uh, and in fact, asking ended up making me feel more competent because I need this. I need help from somebody else. They give me help. And now I can help these other people that I'm that I'm here to help, which is, you know, in this case, uh, Sarah's parents. Hmm. Wonderful. Big lessons. And yeah. Dating. Big lessons, day drinking and Dole Whip and churros. What a what a time! What a time. Uh, really, yeah, really great uh, adventures. The sour cherry churro is is not right, but it, uh, but it was very delicious. Wow! Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, you you, you definitely went to some merch shop, and so I'm now the uh, the owner of a, a Carson Teva inspired New Republic uh, Ranger badge. <laughs> I don't know the official title, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we raced home uh, from Disney uh, on Sunday. Uh, Ken very kindly helped me uh, record a piece I needed for a short film, and I knew he was going to do that, so I, I needed to get Ken a gift. So I bought him something that I he's like, I can't buy that for myself, but I want to buy it. Ooh, I'll buy it for Ken. It's perfect. Uh, so that was very great. It's on display on my shelf. No, I want to clarify, folks. I didn't say only, I'll help only if I get a gift. I didn't say that, but Joker was out of kindness of his heart. <laughs> Uh, wonderful stuff, folks. We're going to get into some Star Wars news, some uh, late breaking news this morning over coffee. They're starting to announce some of the guests who will be appearing at Star Wars Celebration London, which is just around the corner of April. Some great names, including Anthony Daniels, Vivian Alira Blair, Indira Varma, among others. So uh, look for that stuff. If you're into that, uh, go to the website, starwars.com, and they have more information there. But let's get to some of our news stories. Got some fun stories there. We got some fun speculating, rolling around in some uh, Star Wars discourse that was going around last week, but uh, some fun stuff. This is the Thrawn of it all. The Thrawn of it all. Lars Mikkelsen, you know, Lars, he voices Thrawn in Rebels, has said that he has not received an offer to play live-action Thrawn in Ahsoka. I can almost hear Thrawn's voice saying that. I've not received an offer. Uh, is he, so the question is, just to give it, is he pulling a Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon and Kenobi trick? Is he saying, oh, not me, but he's already been it. Let's start there with some fun. Jen, what's your conspiracy tinfoil hat theory here? Uh, if you hear somebody, it's my husband who's making his breakfast. Apologies, listeners. Um, okay. In terms of Lars Mikkelsen, I thought his answer was so specific Right. Mm. It's one of those things where it's like you just say, oh, no, I'm not doing that. But it's like I haven't received an offer. That to me is kind of (laughs) weird. It's a little weird. It's almost like when you're trying to lie to your parents, but you know that if you totally outright lie, like (laughs) you're not going to be able like maybe they're in talks, but he hasn't received the offer yet. So that is truthful. He hasn't received an offer, but he is in talks to play this role. Right. Right. That was interesting (laughs) for me. Um Although, who knows? You never know with this kind of stuff. Things can always fall through. Schedules can change. But yeah, it did Mm -hmm. seem a little Liam Neeson-ish. Yeah. I love I love what you're saying there. This idea of of uh, I've not received an offer. We've been talking about the offer I'm going to receive for months, but I haven't received it yet. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Joseph, uh, your thoughts on this? Is he pulling a Qui Gon? Oh, I think it is is definitely possible. I I kind of just love that straight up line is on the table now out of pure yeah. necessity, right? Because there's no way to zig or zag around it, right? Uh, yeah. If you want yeah. to hide your involvement, you know, if you're even remotely cheeky, there's just too much attention, right? So you, mm-hmm. it's on the table. You just go, nah, no, yeah. <laughs> never heard of Lucasfilm. What? Um, 
Yeah. I, I, I almost took it. I, I am swayed by Jennifer's argument, but I almost took it as like being almost more honest because it's such an actor thing to say of like, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I haven't even gotten an offer. Like almost like <laughs> offended, hurt, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I have no idea. I would not put any money down on our our Canto by betting tables that we talk about. Um, <laughs> my my only other thought on on the veracity of whether he could be involved in or not is the. Uh, I, I think he's phenomenal. We'll talk about that. He he isn't. He's not he's very accomplished, but he's not super famous in the United States, you know, so if there was a desire to have a little bit of a a casting surprise, you know, pull in a a bigger, weirder name, um, Mm -hmm. nothing to do with his talent, because I think he's absolutely amazing. I can see there being a desire to to cast a a little bit of not stunt casting, but a little bit of that surprise casting like for Thawne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I have a t- for whatever, and uh, Jennifer's argument's great. I have a almost. I just almost want to believe him. Like, nah, maybe it. Like, maybe this didn't happen. Uh, but that, at the same time, that even saying that out loud doesn't seem right. And it's this this kind of weird uh, situation we're always in with, where you know who from the voice cast gets put in live action. It's always a interesting discussion. Um, uh, sometimes it creates some hurt feelings for fans and I understand that the Ashley Eckstein thing, uh, mm-hmm. the biggest of them all, mm-hmm. uh, I, I totally get it, but yeah, it, it's varied. And, and I think, um, I was trying, I, I didn't look, I haven't seen Lars standing. I don't know, but he seems to be kind of have the Thrawn build and look and feel right. It's so it, yeah. it seems to me that it could work. He's done such a great job. That Thrawn voice is very specific. So I don't know. Um, I, I but I, I, I think in this day and age, um, especially as the show's, I gotta think mostly done. I don't know unless there's, I don't know about. I have to track the production on that. There, I don't know. I, 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 I think maybe the the big left uh, curveball out of left field is that maybe he isn't. Maybe he isn't, and maybe it is Pierce Brosnan. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have a strong opinion on that? Uh, on Lars being thrown or anyone else being thrown? You made some great points, Joseph, about what they might want to do in terms of casting. Uh, I, there, people aren't as connected to him as Thrawn as say Ashley as Ahsoka, so it might be a little bit different. Uh, Jen, your thoughts there on Lars or anyone else? Yeah, you know the thing that comes to mind is is Cad Bane and, and Corey Burton, right? Mm-hmm. Who uh, appeared or voiced the character? Right. I just think it's that was so specific, and fans were really really excited about that. With Lars Mickelson, I think you're right. It, he just doesn't quite have that same. Um, connection with fans, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I know yeah. I was surprised when I heard Thrawn's voice because I had read the um, EU, you know, his, yeah. his stuff in the EU. I had a very specific idea of what his voice would sound like. Ooh. It did not Ooh. match with what uh, Lars Mikkelsen <laughs> did. It, I grew to really like it, um, but it is a very specific thing. And I don't know how it would translate into live mm. action. And I do think you're right, Joseph. Not necessarily stunt casting, but somebody that has some sort of like name recognition that could get fans excited. I mean, I don't know if he would work, but Justin Thoreau, uh, <laughs> I think he could, just, he could just be really fun. I don't oh, know if he'd wow. have the same kind of like, uh, mm. I, he's just a different choice. And obviously, mm. we loved him um, in The Last Jedi. But mm. yeah. Would Lovey be there? Would Lovey be alongside <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he'd be blue, so he would yeah. look kind of different. But you're right; yeah. maybe he does have too distinctive a of a look. Uh, but but I, I, I just on head shape alone, I, I actually yeah. don't think you're wrong. 
Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. But I'm so open. I'm open to anyone. I'm I'm excited to see who they're going to cast. I am too. It's interesting about the voice. Uh, I I've mentioned it before here, but if I had run a uh, Star Wars news website in the early '90s, I would have been selling the lie that Jack Nicholson was going to be Thrawn in the in, in seven, eight, nine because that's what, <laughs> I, what I told people was going to. I just absolutely got to happen. So I always heard Nicholson, but uh, I think oddly enough, Lars does kind of align with what I at least the cadence, not necessarily the sound, but the cadence. I don't know. It's kind of. Uh, linked up for me, but yeah, I, I'm. Com- I, I think I have to be completely open, uh, and I don't have the attachment to Lars as, as other um, characters. Uh, so I think I have to be. I'm just kind of make sense. I don't have the cast list in front of me. There's some other maybe contenders, um, but yeah, it just seems it seems like that's the right approach, Joseph, for myself at least. <laughs> just like, hey, could be anyone. Yeah, I think it, it could be anyone. I, I think that. Lars is a great match and I'd be thrilled mm-hmm. if he were announced because I think uh, physically he looks the part, you know, he mm-hmm. needs to blew up, obviously. Uh, but I think the, the the cheekbones, the presence, the general yeah. age, everything for me really works. I think mm-hmm. he's phenomenal. And I really I think is I don't I don't know what I imagine Thrawn's voice to be, but this matched up uh, the rebels performance. Um, I really like that it was so gentle and silky. I like that he, uh, in my opinion, we'll talk more about this, is a, 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 a very bad presence <laughs> in Rebels, a very uh, mean, doing bad things, a character. Uh, but he sounded like he was trying to like sell me a chocolate or a resort vacation timeshare. Mm. I loved how like silky his voice is. And I also like the choice to have it be almost annoying in its quietness that that sort of that the whisper is almost a tactic like i'm gonna speak so down here that i'm gonna force everyone to lean in and listen to me like (laughs) i i really like those choices about the voice so i'd love to see those choices in live action uh with with lars um but i do think there's a possibility since um there it, it would it would it's one thing for Bo-Katan, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when, as Bo-Katan was being premiered already, it was already like at Starbuck, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That it, but since none of the other Rebels casts, <laughs> uh, voice acting cast is moving over, there's also a little bit of like, uh, would that cause any even more discussion if he was the only voice actor who yeah. was cast in, in the live role? Um, mm-hmm. So if not Lars, I'd be up for Richard E. Curtis if he hadn't been Legion General Pride. Ooh. Oh, oh, oh yeah, he would have been perfect. Yeah. yeah, I'd be up for Pierce Brosnan. I love him. Uh, yeah. If we're going down the James Bond room, throw Timothy Dalton on on there. Ooh. That'd be Dalton. Yeah, that'd be great. yeah. the, <laughs> the be cheekbones fun. and the terror. Right, he has the yeah. cheekbones in the terror. Maybe a little bit uh, older. Uh, who knows how space aging goes? Who knows if you get yeah. aged when you get uh, grabbed by a space whale and jump through hyperspace with no sure. protection whatsoever? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> who knows what happens uh, to your skin? Or I'd also be happy with the stunt casting of the writer of Iron Man 2, Justin Thoreau. That'd be fun for me, too. <laughs> yeah. I like that Dalton would be great. I'm a slasher, a slasher of prices. Uh, <laughs> our hot fuzz lover on these parts there. Yes. Yeah, well said on all your parts there. Uh, yeah, yeah, Joseph, you're right. There, uh, if, if, that's, if, he's not, if he's the only one to jump over, voice <laughs> to live action, yeah, I wonder what that would do. But there'd be some celebration for sure, but mm-hmm. in the fandom. 
Um, and why it's pretty safe to say that Thrawn will be at Ahsoka. Uh, Ahsoka did say the name in Mandalorian, uh, in, in, in the Mandalorian. So we, we know the names out there. Uh, it, it's still not official. I was even looking up like, is, is this, what do we, what do we got here? Is this one of those things that just, uh, the, the fiction becomes the fact, uh, though, again, it tracks here. Uh, do we want them to make make it official? Uh, there's no, unlike the Liam Neeson one where Qui-Gon showing up was, you know, made sense. I think everyone wanted it. But the fact that they kept that back and kept it secret and Liam played mm-hmm. a little coy was, I think, to the benefit of the show. Uh, you wanted to get to that moment. It's a little different, though, with Thrawn, where, again, Ahsoka has said the name. We know he and Ezra are out there somewhere. We know they're probably looking. We know Rebels characters are now showing up. It all just kind of tracks is this is this time just say yes it is uh, Thrawn's there and here's the person playing it Joseph do you have any hot takes on that one Yeah I think confirmation is great and and I think it should come when the time is right for the overall publicity machine um I think you know I think there was speculation in the uh, in the article that we read this morning kind mm-hmm. of summarizing some of this uh that it might be an Ahsoka trailer during celebration that mm. makes a ton of sense. And that would be a great place to reveal it. And if it is an interesting casting choice, having that person walk out on stage, oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, that would be uh, really cool. Uh, I also think that maybe it's being held back because there's some Ahsoka show overlap in Mandalorian season three, you know, maybe that's mm-hmm. a, a timing issue there. Um, I also think there is a slim possibility mm-hmm. that, Yes, this is kind of the the story of Ahsoka season one is Thrawn related. She seems determined to find Thrawn, right? Uh, but there is a possibility that this is about her journey and Thrawn shows up in the final mm-hmm. episode. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. maybe they're not making a big thing of it because they don't want people to be like, you know, sitting on their couches wearing their Thrawn t-shirts, waving their Thrawn flags. And then he doesn't show up for five episodes, you uh-huh. know? Uh-huh. Uh, Jenna, get your thoughts here, but that's a, a a wonderful point because then he doesn't show up in episode one, episode two, episode three. The discourse starts to build and 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 and, and tension brews over where's Thrawn? We were promised Thrawn. Well, we never we never said you were promised Thrawn. And everybody is saying exactly what Ahsoka did. Where is Grand Admiral Thrawn? <laughs> right there, you go, Jen. Thoughts on that there. I think you're so right. And you're coming from a writer's perspective, right? I mean, it's like, it just makes sense that he wouldn't show up right away. You're going to save him towards the end to build the climax. And I personally, because we are so dialed into everything, (laughs) Star Wars, I I like a surprise. Give me a surprise, (laughs) you know? And if they want to, if they want to show a little snippet that he's going to be in the series, I think just a close up of his blue hand and, and that white uh, uniform, that's all mm. I need to see. That's all the all, mm. only confirmation I need. Save who it is for the actual performance. Just because I just, I, I just want mm. a little surprise. Like I just, I feel like we know so much about everything, and there's so much speculation that sometimes mm. I'm not able to really sit back and enjoy it because I'm like, oh, yep, confirmation on that. Oh, checkbox. I don't like. Mm. I don't want to view it like that. Right. I mean, maybe mm. some people like it, which is why there's like the Reddit leaks. But yeah. I personally, you know, I like to get immersed in the story. I don't know. I go back and forth. Then sometimes I'm like, tell me everything now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's also a different era. I saw this discussion a little bit this uh, past week of, you know, there was a time when cast confirmations or even you know, titles or some plot wasn't 
considered spoilers. Right. Um, and I, I agree with that, but I also think we're in a different time because of the punditry industry, because of podcasts where it's just, it's, it, it ties into some of the discourse of it all where the speculation takes over, the desires of what you, you want to see or don't want to see. Uh, it just all kind of, I just, that's why I just want to sit down and press play and just take it in as, as mm-hmm. pure as I can. Um, but I, I do agree that in general, like knowing Thrawn's in it is not a spoiler, but, but, mm-hmm. but conversation around it could be part of the the problem there. Uh, it is now some 30 years after we all met the character of Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, so I think it's a time to check in on this a little temperature check. Where are we now with him? Jen, you said you, uh, like many people, us included, Joseph and I, read the Timothy Zahn Heir to the Empire trilogy. Now here uh, on the cusp of a live action Thrawn, what are your thoughts? I would like to see... What I guess what I had imagined. I'm going to be one of those people. Uh, I don't know. And maybe it's my memory of what I thought he was, not even tied to the Mm. actual source material of Mm. the EU. I just pictured him to be really evil. Uh, Mm. And he he is. He's a bad guy. We'll we'll talk about Mm. that in Mm. Rebels. But I don't know. I just expected even more. And and so I'm hoping that we get that in the live action because we'll be able to see the actor's face. We'll be able to maybe see more of his like diabolical thoughts. And even though he is very cultured and all these other things on the exterior, I want to see underneath that mm. evilness, right? Mm. Um, yeah, I just, ha- I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah. I got to I gotta revisit the, what I am remembering. I got to go back and read those books. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a long time ago. Uh-huh. Uh, Joseph, let's go back to the early 90s. Uh, take you when you first met him and then where are, you, where are you at with Ron right now? Yeah, I had an up and down relationship with those books when I read them. 30 years ago, I thought Thrawn was like a really cool and different take. Like if we're going to have uh, the Empire resurgent, let's kind of have a different perspective on it all. Yeah. Uh, so I really like Thrawn. Thrawn was always one of the things that I liked about those books when I bumped up against some other things. I didn't like Obi-Wan leaving. I didn't like uh, little creatures that made force bubbles where Luke couldn't use his powers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> grumble, grumble, grumble. I need to revisit those books. All respect. I know a ton of people love them. So I, I'm talking about my own personal experience 30 years ago. So a, an entirely different version of me. Uh, so no disrespect to people who love it. But I did always love uh, a Thrawn and I really liked him uh, in Rebels. And I, I have liked all of the Thrawn books that we have read. I think there's just the, the, the core of the character is really solid. The idea of a, a brilliant a uh, soft-spoken uh, character who looks at the big picture, who's fascinated by the meaning behind art and culture. It's this sort of space Hannibal Lecter <laughs> vibe <laughs> that I really like. And I also think that he functions really well to comment on the rest of the galaxy that he's surrounded by. I think he is a, a critique of the Empire's racism, xenophobia, right? Of not mm-hmm. normally allowing someone like him in. He's also a critique of the sort of a uh, the incompetence that, Palpatine's management style breeds, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, creating this sort of uh, everybody's just sort of hungry for power and some people are in the middle of the empire out of, you know, generational wealth or, you know, name and they're not they're not that competent, right? And that's not yeah. actually super beneficial for Palpatine. Uh, so I love that he is a a good picture of that. Um, and, I, and I like that he is flawed, that he's analytical to a fault, uh, that mm-hmm. particularly in the Rebels, episodes that's done really well where the only way that he can be defeated is by uh, things that are beyond his ability to analyze and manipulate 
you know, he's defeated by the flowing, the organic, the otherworldly, you know, the things mm-hmm. he can't control or adjust for, uh, which is the Bendu, which is Ezra's growth and evolution and, and the Purgles and that mm. connection, you know? Yeah. Mm. Well said, well said. And yeah, going back in time, I was one of those folks. I always have a, a great soft spot in my heart for the Air of the Empire trilogy, even though I like you, Joseph, over the years, look back, as I've said before here on this podcast, nothing new, not my favorite, uh, not my favorite style of Star Wars, but there's some things in it, including Talon Card. Oh, I have always liked the character Talon Card. Um, uh, love all the stuff going on there. Thrawn, I was I was one of those like I guess I viewed I don't want, I don't even know if anti hero is the right way, but he was he was cool to root for the 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 bad guy type of vibe, mm-hmm. right? And right. I used to love some of his quotes. Uh, the, there was one back in my memory of something like, "If you have a problem, eliminate the problem." As he ruthlessly kills someone at his side, and I just thought that was cool, right? A little <laughs> bit badass vibe. So. I think that I, my view on that has changed over the years, but I, I really love the Rebels version of Thrawn is my, my favorite version. Uh, I have not read all of the modern day Thrawn stuff from Zahn. We read the first trilogy, I believe, and there's some great mm-hmm. stuff in there. It didn't connect with me as much as it did with other people, but I totally respect the Thrawn fans. Uh, I just think, yeah, I, I, I think my view on the character has changed over the years where, I, I don't know, I just think there's more interesting things out there. But I, I do love all the things you're talking about, what he, what you can use him to analyze, including, uh, like you said, the, the the racism within the Empire. That was something that was kind of uh, part of what was going on. I like the setup. If you're going to have someone, especially back in 91, whenever that book came out, uh, you know, he was out in out out in the outer rim, uh, unknown regions for five years, and then he returns and he's the leader of the empire. It was a, it was good counter programming to Palpatine and, and mm-hmm. Vader and all the stuff we knew. Uh, yeah, the, what you're saying there, Joseph, of uh, whisper so everyone will listen type of vibe. I really do like that a lot. I think sometimes I rub up against uh, I don't know the the cult that springs up around characters. That mm-hmm. that's beyond Star Wars, and that's just something even I have to work with too within myself just because it's popular doesn't mean it's bad uh that's that's not the <laughs> snarky way i want to approach life anymore i've changed and grown in a lot of areas in that regard so i have to be more open to uh just what throng could represent but it brings us up with a big question jen you sort of touch touch on it here it's our final question here around Thron. uh do you consider him present day a good guy or bad guy capital g capital b somewhere in between uh jen you kind of said you're he's, he's he's not good he's a, he's a bad guy but the way he does it is good <laughs> the, uh, he, <laughs> you know he's not like emperor palpatine you know with uh, force lightning like that kind of evil right? <laughs> Do it. he's not like that right he's I, quite frankly he's a much more relatable evil that we might run across in our own everyday life, which is actually what makes him even scarier in some sense. Um, And he's a bad guy that I like to root for because like in Mm -hmm. rebels, like when he goes on and on, like you just get sucked into his monologues and you get drawn in and you're, you start to try to understand where he's coming from. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's actually an interesting point. So he's a, he's a bad guy, but he's kind of cool. And I think that's why he's had such longevity from the books and then his appearance in rebels. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's, that's a good way to look at it there. Capital B bad. Uh, we've learned a lot about him. I, again, we'll admit the, the last three Thrawn books. I did not take a dive into. Uh, we read so, the first one. 
we're the first the first trilogy, right? Because isn't there is there six out now? Yeah, so we read the first trilogy, and then we read the first book and did a, a, a review right. of the first. Uh, there's the the second Thrawn book trilogy yeah. in modern canon that is that is at least in that first book dealing with uh, Thrawn and his history with the with the Chiss, uh, yeah. and it starts with how he gets involved in the military and all that. And we we read yeah. that and reviewed it, and um, yeah, and that's pretty telling that I don't. <laughs> Remember. That's what I was going to say, but I didn't want to be judgmental. Uh, I'll, I'll judge myself. I'll judge myself. Uh, look, yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll pitch it to you, to you to take us home on this, Joseph. Here, but this idea, like he's he's a, he's a character I enjoyed learning a lot about where he came from or what his motivations are, and that's even in the first modern uh, day Thrawn trilogy, working with the Empire to see what he can learn to help his his people. I, I think that's a good starting point, and I think it's uh, it's important to learn and understand his needs and where he comes from as a character. But at the end of the day, Thrawn, as we have him now, I question his uh, true level of empathy for other folks. I, I question his motivations, and I question of even if you're like, look, I got to work with these guys to get uh, to compromise to help others. I totally get that. But when those other guys are, uh, you know, doing the Palpatine path and getting, you know, you see the scope of their evil, and you're like, yeah, it's still good. Then, then I question what your motivations are, and I question who you truly are. So I still, all that to say, I still see Thrawn as very bad, even though he might have had, you know, good intentions, or still does all the way through with his his own people and what's going on out there. I think uh, I don't want to wade too far into the waters. Uh, I'll start getting, uh, uh, you know, folks mad at me for attacking Thrawn, but I still root against him. Is my big point there, Joseph? Yeah, I really agree with that big picture uh, assessment, Ken. Uh, that at the end of the day, he is still choosing to work with the Empire, doing some pretty awful things. <laughs> yeah. um, I think, Jennifer, you were touching on something really great, too, of like why we want to root for him is I think there's always a strong desire to just root for competence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's part of how we got on the side early on in the first season of Andor uh, on Dedra Miro's side because she was the one who was right. <laughs> who is right. getting things done, who wasn't, you know, uh, bumbling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's this real desire. Like when I did my rewatch of Rebels, I-, I was so invested in the Rebels characters and I so wanted them to win. But at the same time, I'm rooting for Thrawn because his definition is, I've got this, I'm smarter than everyone. And like, yeah, I like that. <laughs> be smarter <laughs> than everyone. Oh, but don't beat my heroes. <laughs> right. You know, so he's a real, uh, you got to thread a needle, needle writing that character. So he is as competent as it says on the tin of mm-hmm. Thrawn but that our heroes can still find a way around him. And I think that's what's so great about his portrayal in Rebels, that it is organic force-related things. It's connection and, and love that he can't quite adjust to. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of me, his, his own morality, uh, yeah, read that the first three modern canon books, which I, I really enjoyed those. They're, they're, like, they're not my favorite Star Wars, but I really enjoyed them. And I enjoyed that first uh, Thrawn book in, in that's just uh, Thrawn, in with the chess ascendancy uh we just didn't really have time to dive into the other two and frankly there just there there wasn't a lot of conversation about them out out there mm-hmm. um so we haven't i'm not caught up in those last two books so i know that there might be more nuance to his general agreement to go uh implant himself in the empire to make sure that the chess ascendancy stays safe um so i i understand that maybe there's a couple little details i'm missing but at the end of the day even if it is to protect your own people in my own moral compass, uh, aligning yourself with the empire and saying, 
hey, I need to make sure that eventually the empire is not a threat to my people, so I will help the empire systematically and brutally murder people, right. dominate their homes, steal their uh, their culture and belongings, and then mock them about it, turn their culture, their most precious items into a museum where I can figure out how to best kick their ass. Yeah. <laughs> it's super cool storytelling, morally reprehensible in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, it even just kind of tracks to real world stuff about um, I have I have total empathy for the character and his perspective. I have empathy for Anakin and for Ben Solo. Uh, I have empathy for people, the humans that I disagree with in the real world that I can see maybe why they've come to believe the things they believe. And then there's a line on actions, right? I can have empathy for why you, you got to this place, but I can't support what you're doing in 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 the name of these things that that you've come to believe in right and i feel the same way about thrawn of like oh wow i really understand his perspective and i am fascinated with him and and almost like him Mm -hmm. but it's still wrong (laughs) uh, that you're coldly murdering and dominating people you know i think at the end of the day thrawn is still kind of a critique of an overly um a, a, a militaristic society that that defines everything by status and domination and strength because that's where he comes from and that's his perspective hmm. i really agree with that i've learned all about your culture so i could wipe you out more efficiently is not <laughs> that i want to go on but there's the bumper sticker version of what i was saying once again <laughs> I, yeah no great stuff and yeah uh but jen's points of he's also kind of cool and uh, uh, pop culture wise he's he's a he's a, a very well-known and interesting character so it all kind of mishmashes into that so there you go that's the four center hot takes on the big conversation of the past week about grand emerald thrawn good guy or bad guy all our own thoughts of course you can have yours and hey let us know if you want to scream at us or whisper like Thrawn would. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break. uh, But before we do that, we are going to, uh, oh, that's why I deleted it from my rundown because last week's episode was different. We are going (laughs) to give you a four center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Joseph, uh, can you remember what it was? I am making sure that I have the correct word. It is Path of Deceit, uh, the next adventure in the High Republic. I was like, is it Path of Vengeance? I know it's Path of Bad Thing. Path of Deceit. Uh, We are looking forward to diving in. And if you want to get the audiobook, it really does help us. It does indeed. You can go get your free audiobook by going to audibletrial.com slash four center, audibletrial.com slash four center. All right, quick break. And the other side, more news here in Star Wars. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare insurance plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare insurance plans at uh1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number 1 in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Force Center. We're looking at Star Wars news, uh, some different stuff this week. And uh, we are going to go now. Uh, we're talking about Thrawn. We're going to uh, kind of look ahead to the Ahsoka series as well. Steph Green, is she back in Star Wars? To Instagram we go. I was reading over at uh, StarWarsNewsNet.com. They had yeah, this little story here. I thought it was uh, it was kind of fun. But then I also realized, oh, well, you know, we don't want to get anyone any more trouble than they might have accidentally Got themselves mm. in. We'll see. Mm. Late last week, someone noticed that Steph Green, the director behind the moving and affecting tribes of Tatooine episode of the Book of Boba Fett, had listed that she was part of Ahsoka in her Instagram bio. 
on January 19th on around there. I sound like I've got like some Charlie Day, it's always sunny conspiracy uh, <laughs> board in my background there. Uh, on January 19th, her bio read Emmy and Oscar nominated filmmaker, which is Watchmen, Ahsoka, New Boy, which is her short film. Then this story kind of ran and it kind of made the rounds around the social media. And as of this weekend, the bio just reads Emmy and Oscar nominated filmmaker. <laughs> so like I said, look, I don't want to put any extra pressure on her. She's probably uh, really excited and I love updating bios. You know, that's why you tell friends, look at the cool things I'm working on. But, uh, you know, this is the Star Wars world, the pop culture world. So uh, with uh, respect, as much respect as we can put on Steph Breed. You know, let's have a, a discussion about this because the possibility of a true talent like herself getting to play in the Star Wars Galaxy again is, I would think, a good thing. But let's dive into this with some uh, thoughts about Steph Green and Ahsoka. Joseph. Yeah, I, I really hope this is true uh, because I think she's just phenomenal. We'll talk more about her uh, Book of Boba Fett episode. Um, yeah, I, I don't. In the grand scheme of things, I think this is kind of a, a standard Hollywood thing right now. Hollywood really wants. Uh, everyone involved in a production to have a huge social media following. They are mm -hmm. looking for people who can help uh, do you know, mm -hmm. promotion that they don't have to pay for. Yep. Um, so I think at this point in time, it's extremely easy to get mm -hmm. wires crossed between agents, publicists, the company, etc. You know, it, you know, maybe things like uh, I'm also keeping in mind with a director like Steph Green too, like the, the, the latest job helps get the next job. Right. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's like a, Hey, you got the, you sent a flare up from Lucasfilm that you can say you directed an Ahsoka episode in meetings. Oh, whoops. Uh, you can't say it online though. It turns out, <laughs> you know, right. all, all that kind of thing. And big picture. I, I want this to be true. Cause I, I think her episode of book of Boba Fett is, is phenomenal. Um, but I also just want this Star Wars path to continue that started on Disney Plus, that started with uh, Mandalorian exploding outward of bringing in lots of new talent uh, to play. And, you know, when they knock it out of the park, uh, they keep developing that relationship with Lucasfilm. It's such a hard thing to find uh, directors who have a really, really great voice, a really great perspective uh, that they bring to it, but also can play in this, you know, weird shared universe sandbox. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I hope that this is true. And then I hope we get an announcement of the, the Quinlan Vos show directed by Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And, and well said on just the, the nature of the business. And look, she's someone who's out there busy working and, mm -hmm. you know, her follower count isn't huge because she's, you know, not making TikTok videos or, you know, she's, you know, getting Emmy and Oscar nominations through to work. And so <laughs> I just got to imagine she's like, well, I'm going to put this on. No one follows me anyways. And then suddenly shows like us and discuss it which I, I do i really do feel slightly bad but i i wanted to discuss it because i'm super excited about this possibility i'm like you joseph i really want this to be true her episode uh that second episode was so uh beautiful and, and helped change my view on what uh, they were you know what that series was going to do help me kind of get ah here's what they're going for and and i thought it was real powerful and in and, and a special kind of way so uh, i'm just excited to have her uh, potentially around jen you know Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I like that they are creating this kind of stable of directors, writers that they can bring back and have mm. them work on a different show and see what their take is for that. It's just it creates also a shorthand because I imagine working within the Star Wars framework is not easy. And then production wise, I'm sure that, you know, it's a tight timeline and they've got a lot to achieve. That's why a lot of people was well, specifically, mm -hmm. I think it was John Favreau was saying how, or maybe it was Dave Filoni was saying how incredible it was that Robert Rodriguez did with his uh, 
finale episode. He's like, he accomplished so much in such a short amount of time. I couldn't believe he got all the shots. So it is not easy. And mm. I'm looking forward to if this is true and good for her for putting it out there. I mean, it's, yeah. it just is the way our industry works. As you said, Joseph, it's just like, you have to have a social media presence, even if you're a director and if she shares like a behind the scenes shot, oh my God, she's going to get a ton of followers, you know, <laughs> just in that. And already I'm sure she's picked up some followers just for whoever uh, spotted that in her bio, mm. but I'm excited. I'm happy. And I think that she's excited and that makes me excited. So it's a win-win. <laughs> win, win indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was, uh, yeah, it's kind of, I, I kind of almost am, am amused by, you know, you're just so busy being awesome that you just don't realize that people actually want to see what you're working on or follow <laughs> Star Wars fans have, have glommed right. onto your work and it's good. And, and, and yeah, we want to talk a little bit more detail here about what we did love about her episode of the Book of Boba Fett. Uh, her arrival in Star Wars, her, her work on, on The Watchmen was was very well received and, and she's got a, a great resume. So a lot of people were looking at her work and this episode shows up. And Jen, you've, you've said several times you just absolutely... Love this show, The Book of Boba Fett, which I'm right there with you on that. I've gotten into many bar arguments over this show now uh, mm. because I have a special place in my heart for it. But uh, your thoughts on that specific episode? I love this episode. It had so much that really set the tone for the series for me. You had, you know, the Thorian mayor. You had the mm. comedy with uh, Major Domo. You had the, you know, hot cousins. There's so much that happens. And then, of course, we learn more about the Tuscan culture, which mm-hmm. for me, it changed my whole view of the Tuscan Raiders. And uh, we learn more about Boba Fett. I fell in love with Boba Fett as a character when I had never really, really cared about the character. Mm-hmm. I always thought he was cool. Uh, but getting to see him be a part of this group and earn his place and help them, it just was really beautiful. All with action and comedy and creatures and aliens. Uh, that's what I love about Star Wars. To me, it's like, okay, if if this is what she's going to bring to Ahsoka, oh my gosh, I can't wait. Mm. Mm. Love that there. I'll just say quickly, adding on what I said earlier, even about this episode, it's just, yeah, the powerful, the imagery, the, the what, what am I watching? Is it, is it real? Is it imagined? I'm inside Boba Fett's, uh, you know, uh, spiritually uh, overwhelmed head on this journey. Am I seeing something that exists? What is it? Uh, and, and, Beyond just the details or how it links up thematically to other parts of Star Wars or what it did with Boba Fett. I'm with you, Jen. I've always liked Boba Fett, but now I had a different kind of view and different kind of respect for the character. Uh, I, I just, if you think back of that series, images flash your head like, well, I do like this. Do I like the uh, multicolored bright bikes? Do I or not? I don't know, but I remember them. And Crescenton and the twins. You're talking about the twins. twins Those big stars. Yes. Yeah, the, the Star Wars images uh, popped your head, but then. You know, and I can talk about Garza Fwip and her monologue and, and Danny Trejo and his monologue and all that stuff. But like, I just think of that sequence and the beauty of it and just kind of sitting back and just uh, reveling in, in uh, just the just the spiritual side, the, the quest for identity, the culture stuff that you're talking about. As a longtime Star Wars fan to have uh, this be one of the moments where I go, I, I, I don't even know if I can call them Tuscan Raiders anymore. They're the Tuscans of uh, the dude and see to me it's uh, it changed uh, uh, my uh, my view of something and handled just this uh, wonderful uh, just connective uh, you know themes and vibes and and uh, performances all the way through and and that's what I'll remember for her stuff there mm-hmm. so Joseph I'm sure you also have a, a powerful memory of that. 
<laughs> I do. The only thing that I've that could have made the second episode of Book of Boba Fett better for me is if the colorful scooters were also in that. The <laughs> yes. customizable grav scoots. Uh, I know people don't like them, but what? I love them and they make sense to me and they made me watch the movie Quadrophenia, which is now one of my favorite movies. Anyway, Ooh, that's not yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I, I think the second episode of Book of Boba Fett is one of the best written. I think it is uh, really great on the page. But I think uh, the job of a director, particularly in a situation like this, is, okay, I see and understand and vibe with what the script wants to communicate. Mm -hmm. So how can I best communicate that? How can I make what I what the right what's in the writer's minds, what I see, you know, in between the lines? How can I make the audience Feel the hell out of that. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's what she really did so effectively. You feel everything, right? Um, mm -hmm. You feel uh, Boba's desire to belong with the Tuscans, right? Mm -hmm. um, there is genuine, honest comedy in a good way in, in the learning to communicate. Uh, I know some people don't like the like a bantha, but that that's so honest, <laughs> right. you know, and, it, and it's about trying to find like what's common between us. How can we, how can we learn to communicate? Right. Um, the, just the way the action scene is shot, it, that train scene sequence is high stakes, thrilling, fun. It pops. Mm -hmm. Then you have like the weird dreamy terror Mm -hmm. of Boba Fett's quest into the desert. Mm -hmm. And then I think the thing that just uh, super elevates that episode, and I believe they talked about it, that it wasn't originally in the script, that it, it was originally just Boba Fett, um, you know, gets his his, his uh, gaffy stick, right? Yeah. Uh, makes it, right? But it needed more, right? To make the audience feel what Boba Fett feels, to feel the respect for the Tuscans of the Dune Sea. Mm -hmm. And that scene at the end, of the ceremony, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, 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 Boba Fett's journey is, is clear sort of factually when he has the, the quest, he brings the, the stick back. He, it, it's transformed into the gaffy stick, but that ceremony at the end, it, it, it's, it's joy, it's honor, it's culture, it's connection. It's everything. It's every idea that's in that script and it makes us viscerally, feel it on an emotional level. And I think that's the part that just super elevates this episode of Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, I think a, a year removed from it now or so, uh, when, when when you go to the credits on on that episode and, the, and that uh, ritual's happening and everything, I just, you know, uh, I was emotionally moving in a way I'll never forget that first experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So all that to say, we're excited for the possibility of Steph Green to return to Star Wars and uh, uh, you know, bring her uh, her talents to Ahsoka. So uh, you know, uh, we'll we'll monitor her Twitter, uh, excuse me, her Instagram <laughs> and her Twitter. We'll monitor her Instagram bio. We'll monitor all the bios going forward. There, one quick story <laughs> to cover here. I, I I just I couldn't turn away from this one. And Jen, I I credit you with that. There, we're going to talk about another Star Wars series returning, a second season. It's not being talked about enough, but it's Galaxy of Creatures. That's right. The creature-obsessed droid SFR3, a.k.a. RE, is back for another season of Galaxy of Creatures on Star Wars Kids, the YouTube channel there. 
Four episodes have already been aired at the time of this episode dropping, including a look at a Force Center fave, the EOP, which I just watched this morning, and it's spectacular. But eight more are on the way, including looks at Puffer Pigs and a Diet Noga. Jen, we are going to start with you. How much do you value these shows and series like this one? I value them so much because it's just a way for me to be able to, you know, share it with my kids because they're really they're they're into their own things and and I don't want to force Star Wars on them. I want it to be like an organic thing and when they have questions, you know, I'll, I'll share them. But for me, the Galaxy of Creatures and the Galactic Pals, which are the toy tie-in, have been a great way for me to connect with them on Star Wars. And, you know, they're not picky in terms of like short content versus like, you know, a 22 minute episode mm-hmm. of something. They they don't care. They like it all. And so it's fun that now I can introduce them to the Opie and Puffer Pigs and a Dinoga, which scared my, uh, my daughter. So now I can show her, see, they're cute and maybe cuddly. I mean, I... <laughs> I'm looking forward to when they uh, bring some more Galactic Pals, because right now I think there's only four. So I want to see what they're going to bring next. Uh, yeah, I, I might have to start collecting those there. Uh, going so going back to my stuffed animal collecting youth, I might want some modern day versions. Uh, well said, Jen. Yeah, I, I think you're, you, you've expressed some of these films before, and I just uh, saw this and... And uh, yeah, just smiled, uh, smiled because I think I've just become even more protective of how people discover Star Wars and how that keeps Star Wars going. And this is something that does that. And and uh, Joseph, we, you and I, we, as we've said many times before, we don't have kids, but we uh, can find value in these type of shows as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, I, I it would be a more personal experience if it was uh, about my own children. But I just it's so, so great to me to see that as an entry point into into Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the beasts are, are a great, great way to make the galaxy feel real and lived in. Mm-hmm. And I like the way that the, some of the beast content is almost like Sesame Street for Star Wars of like, here are some facts. Do you want to mm-hmm. memorize them? Do you want to pick a favorite? I think it gives kids a sense of... Um, control in a, a sense of knowledge right to become mm-hmm. like uh, i'm the six-year-old who knows everything about eopies and i'm going to tell everyone i meet yeah. <laughs> right. kind of vibe and and it's hitting home to me because um well i bought uh something at, at a stall in galaxy's edge and noticed like there was this free booklet that i'd never seen and it mm-hmm. was uh the creature stall owner's uh, guide to the creatures of batu and it's a little scavenger hunt uh, when I saw Scavenger Hunt, I was like, oh, boy, teach kids to scan QR codes, grumble, grumble, grumble. <laughs> and it was just totally physical. It was just like, there's a Diagnoga in this part Here's uh, of the park. Here's some things about the Diagnoga. And it totally hooked me because, like, I was just flipping through it quick and it's like, do you know that there's an Eopi on the forest path? And <laughs> I talked to my wife and, like, there's no, we've looked, there's no Eopi. And then I finally realized, like, oh, it's just the Eopi's footprints in the, oh, in the yeah. past. So, like, it worked on me. Uh, <laughs> a child in his 40s, it worked on me to find <laughs> the Eopi the and go, like, uh, and then it's yeah. pointing out to my wife's parents, I found the Eopi. And, like, that's nice. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right there with you on it, uh, on the joy brings, and just putting yourself into the 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 soul of a six year old or something watching this video, and then watching the Phantom Menace, and being like, "Oh, that's a, an Opie." Let me tell you about it. And even the video itself, I was I was impressed that uh, you know uh, the Opies. We we think of them 
either in the pod race or with Kenobi, but they're often on their own surviving the wilds of Tatooine, which includes a lot of monsters and gaping maws in the sand where you could fall in and die. Like there's in, in this video kind of in a very nice uh, child, a safe way discussed the survival skills of the Eopian. So even I was like, ah, I've, I've, I've had, I have a newfound respect a, for a creature I already love, but I know a little bit more about him. And just to know that that's what these videos do. And uh, we really uh, just celebrate Star Wars on all levels for all all people. And this is part of that. Mm-hmm. All right. We are done with the news. But before we leave, we've got a quick uh, look ahead into Star Wars history. Looking ahead to Star Wars past this week in Star Wars history. On January 27th, 1983, George Lucas officially announced that the title of the upcoming Quote, unquote, final chapter in the Star Wars saga would now be called Return of the Jedi, not the previously announced and advertised Revenge of the Jedi. Now, I will say that some stories have George, quote, deciding this in December of 1982, which does seem to uh, sync up with stories, but this is when it was official. This is uh, one of the all-time great bits of Star Wars trivia that many of us live through. Uh, so I want to go back in time there. Where were you when you heard the news? Jen, you and I might have a different relationship to with, with Joseph, who's just got a, a little bit of time advantage on us. Not a lot, just a little bit. <laughs> it changes how you take in some of that news. So Jen, what did you uh, what did you think when you heard this? I don't. I don't know. I only yeah, knew. Right? I don't even remember. Uh, I only have flashes of memories actually seeing Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. in theater because I was little. Uh, I do remember when I learned it when I was older. And mm-hmm. I think I was like a teenager. And I just, I loved it. And I remember people had even made like patches at that time. I'm sure that they still mm-hmm. have patches. And I just thought it was a cool piece of trivia that I, a true Star Wars fan, <laughs> knew. I wore that uh, very proudly. Um, and of course, Blue Harvest, which also was used during the making of Return of the Jedi to try and throw people off. I think it was even like on merchandise, like a, like a yeah. crew t-shirts and stuff like that. Um, so just, yeah, it was a really... It was a thing that made me feel like I could, uh, you know, show my my nerd badge. Like I knew it was yeah. Revenge of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> I, of I have a stack of those Revenge of the Sith patches. My friend Van William got them for me uh, for a birthday a few years ago. He found them. They're they're legit, and uh, I, I use one of them as a bookmark. So I don't know if that's <laughs> if that is honoring the patch or not. But I I love that those patches exist. So I'm with you. I don't remember, and definitely remember Seamus mm-hmm. and Jedi. But like I don't remember. The moment I learned this, other than I, I put the question in, was it confusing? Because it was confusing for me. I do remember seeing it in a Sears catalog. I'm going deep mm, into my memory banks. Wow. So Sears catalog, I was one of those kids who'd sit down and stare at the old wish book and wonder what I'm going to get for Christmas. And all the possibilities of playing are in front of me. And there was a revenge of this Jedi uh, thing where like, well, that's not right. It's called Return of the Jedi. I've seen it. I know. <laughs> this book is wrong and i was confused so not not too long or much longer later i think i learned about it and uh yeah it still kind of remained confusing but it was one of those first things jen talking about nerd 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 badge or nerd cred which uh, is a interesting world to talk about but uh yeah it, it was definitely on the playground did you know uh and and i love that and that kind of starts it i consider that Kind of the early when that when that hits you early in your Star Wars fandom as a kid, no matter what generation you're from, you start learning that stuff. It it just kind of build its own tradition of knowing the behind the scenes stuff in Star Wars. So Joseph, we're we're painting you as this uh, you know older, wiser kid on the playground who might have been aware of this. <laughs> but was that the case? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it always comes up in these discussions of between Empire and Return of the Jedi, because I think I'm mm-hmm. two, two and a half years older than you guys, and it's just mm-hmm. the the window that makes all the difference when we're talking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I vividly remember the Revenge of the Jedi stickers on Empire Strikes Back action figures. So Ooh. the action figures for Return of the Jedi had not come out yet. This is that that era um, when the the joke I make about a wall of sad lobots of, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's been a while since Empire Strikes Back and the only things left on the shelves are the not exciting <laughs> figures, yeah. right? Um, it was lobots and cloud car pilots and I already had the cloud car pilot, but suddenly there was something fresh on these uh, action figures, which was a sticker to send away for Admiral Akbar, whoever the hell that is, uh, mm-hmm. but he's going to be featured in the film Revenge of the Jedi. And mm-hmm. uh, I am not making this up. I it didn't make sense to me as a kid um, right. because I felt so um, I, I received Yoda's uh, lecture to Luke in Empire Strikes Back about mm-hmm. a Jedi doesn't crave, you know, excitement and, you know, adventure, all these things that, that it's, it's not about that. Right. Um, yeah. And cause I, I, you know, I wanted adventure and excitement. It's like, well, Yoda, I guess Yoda thinks there's some other way to look at it. I guess I'll try to figure that out. Um, yeah. So it didn't make sense to me as a kid uh, that it would be revenge. Cause that didn't seem like Jedi. Hmm. But we've talked about this a ton, like growing up in the era that we did, lots of things were just kind of a little off, you know, like it was it was He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And there was never any indication about the rest of the universe. They were just on one planet. Like, OK, um, the books, the Star Wars books said from the further adventures of Luke Skywalker. And, you know, no matter how much you hunted and used bookstores, you, you couldn't find these alleged <laughs> adventures. Yeah. You know, yeah. even the action figures we're talking about. Uh, Luke's lightsaber was yellow. It was just a, a time where things were just wrong. So when I was a kid, I was like, eh, it's revenge. That doesn't seem right. But lots of things are wrong, <laughs> mm-hmm. right. uh, which, which you know, leads into, yeah, I think, what we're going we're gonna to talk about here about, you know, was this the right choice for, for that Lucas made? Uh, yes, absolutely. Was it the right choice? Or I think even uh, old Larry Kasdan disagreed. I'm trying to remember some interviews there where he thought it was the stronger title. And, you know. You mentioned a lot, Joseph. You, at some point, we're all kind of raised that when you're writing your essays for high school, you leave opinions out of it stated as fact, which I think is where I think agree with you a lot. There's a lot of uh, a genesis of our problems uh, come from that there, I think. Uh, it's the genesis of the problems. But uh, all that aside, not to fight or pick with uh, pick on Larry Kasdan there, I definitely stand by this decision. Return of the Jedi is absolutely what it should have been, which I think is what he wanted it to be in the beginning, Jen, right? You track this stuff every now and then when you put together your wonderful Happy Beeps episodes. I I think George went back to what he wanted. I think so. Gosh, I'd have to revisit that. But doesn't it make so much more sense that now we have Revenge of the Sith? Mm -hmm. Now that that makes sense. How, how, like you're saying, Joseph, how could never be revenge uh, uh, of the Jedi? That's just like, that's like the opposite of what, of who the Jedi are. <laughs> so I'm glad that he went back to Return of the Jedi so that we could get revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Right, right. You you know, you'll know the difference between the light side and the dark side when you're calm, <laughs> passive, right. when you get revenge. Like, it's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What does that tell kids, right? Get revenge like a Jedi. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, yeah, it's one of those things that just seems so right and it's hard to go back. I, I think this one's. I know it's like a the name of a band where you're like, well, they were almost called the 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 popping corns, and that's the story of Van Halen. What? Like, what? What are you talking about? Uh, that wouldn't have worked. Um, 
which is, by the way, folks, that's a totally made up fact. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I was like, really? I didn't know that. They had some other names, but I'll ask Mark Ellis. But, or the Beatles and Silver Beatles, where it's just it's like, yeah, what, what was is what worked. But we had this example. I'm staring at it in a toy book. And so it just always stood out. Um, and I thought, I, I think there was a moment uh, later on in my life, and I'm not even talking about high school, I think like 9, 10, where it did dawn on me. Oh yeah, this makes more sense. Return is right. That's what mm-hmm. that's what uh, uh, Luke would did uh, versus the revenge. I didn't didn't get the depth and meaning of it till later. But so yes, I definitely agree with George's choice. But uh, Joseph, as you've always stated, uh, you were on the playground going, "Folks, folks, listen to Yoda." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, in my in my imagination, I was. Uh, I don't think anyone would have listened to me on the playground about uh, anything. Uh, but. Yeah, I, I've always liked I, when it when it was. I don't think I was sitting down and watching Entertainment Tonight or whenever this announcement was mm-hmm. made. I think oh I just the, the books came out and the action figures came out and it was returned. I was like, awesome, that's so much better, you know, as a yeah. kid. Um, but then I, I've only grown to love it more as an adult. I, this is, in my opinion, one of the single best and most amazing things that George Lucas has ever done. To to mm-hmm. really understand the position that he was in, even though the films were incredibly successful, that everyone was make or break, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that he could look at that amount of pressure, it really is Luke Skywalker in, in The Last Jedi facing down the entire First Order, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, all by himself. To look at all that marketing, all the stuff that had already come out, all that business machinery that wants this. Uh, Revenge of the Jedi for marketing purposes is no doubt, especially in 1983, the far more exciting title. Uh, mm-hmm. Return sounds like what? what, what was, were the Jedi out to get groceries? Great. We're yeah. used to it now. But from that perspective, revenge is the obvious answer. Come on. You know, yep. don't be a fool. Don't be a stick in the mud. You know, mm-hmm. so for Lucas to stand there and go, yes, I know it is technically the better title it is the more exciting title it is the title that might make more money but it's wrong to my film it's wrong to my message i set out to to share a myth uh with children of all ages and that's not the message i that's really amazing Mm -hmm. it's really amazing no really agree with that we always talk about you know the just a simple uh Luke throwing down his blade in the time of uh, of Rambo and Rocky and beyond. And I'm not here to pick on Sly Stallone. I'm just saying that was a different <laughs> time, different time. And uh, that's part of, uh, I think, uh, what, what we should celebrate about Return of the Jedi. So well said, well said. We'll get back to the playground and tell everyone about this here. Uh, that is it this <laughs> week. We're on our way out of here, but uh, here's where you can find us. We're on Twitter. It's uh, Four Center Pod. Hive Social, Four Center, if you're still on there. Uh, Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. Instagram and YouTube. Don't forget, live show Next Q&A, January 27th, 3 p.m. Pacific podcast available on a lot of spots uh, spots and spats, including iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, <laughs> Google Podcasts, and more merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. Uh, you can also follow me uh, by going to uh, at catnapsock or my uh, website catnapsock.com. Got my new podcast, The Blathering, up and out on the Napsock Network podcast feed. Jennifer, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram and YouTube. Those are my two primary focuses right now. I'm trying to upload more short form content beyond just Star Wars, perhaps. Maybe doing some movie and TV reviews outside of Star Wars, which would be shocking for me. Um, And also TikTok at Jennifer Landa 1138. Love that. 
I endorse that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm very excited for that, Jennifer. I, oh, I think good. listeners uh, are excited to hear some of our non-Star Wars opinions as well, because we all contain multitudes when uh, watching television and movies. That's um, right. You can find me on all the social media, Twitter, Instagram in particular, I'm trying to highlight, uh, Hive, Mastodon, the others, uh, whatever they are now. I don't know. I'm probably there. Under uh, Joseph Scrimshaw, at Joseph Scrimshaw is my handle everywhere. And you can also follow me, check me out on YouTube. You can just search for Joseph Scrimshaw on YouTube. Uh, I have a new short that I'm going to be putting up uh, hopefully in late January or early February uh, later today. I'm going to try to lock that date down. So if you're going to Force Center uh, to uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, uh, check out uh, my channel as well. There you go, my friends. All right. That is it for Larry Kasdan and his debate with George Lucas. We'll see you next time here on Force Center.